y'all. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. It's Carmen. And uh, if you have been hanging out with me from last week, you will know that we have started a new series and we're going through and reading together the book of Ruth, which is in the Old Testament of the Bible. Last week, we gave just a brief overview of that book of the Bible, and now today we're going to dive into it, into the first chapter. And by the time this episode is finished, we will have read all 22 verses of the first chapter of Ruth. I love this book. I think I mentioned that last week. It is one of my favorite. It has had a huge impact on me and my my faith, especially in my younger years, and So I'm excited to to walk through this book of the Bible with you, my friends. Again, let me remind you that we're talking about there is true strength. True strength can occur in the midst of collapse, whether that's um, collapse of your family, collapse of the society around you. Perhaps you even feel like you're, even yourself, is on the verge of collapse, so I pray that that's not where anybody feels like that they are um, right now, but it could be. And I think that this book is a great testament to what true strength looks like in the midst of that. Today, specifically, we're going to talk about how that strength comes through loyalty and faithfulness. And we're going to talk about the faithfulness of the first Uh, two main characters that we see in this first chapter, and then we'll also talk about the faithfulness of God and how we can be faithful to Him and to those around us. So, like I said, there's two of the three main people in this book of the Bible um, that we will meet tonight, or today, excuse me, whenever, however you're listening, whatever time of the day it is. And that's Naomi and Ruth. So we'll look at their lives. We'll briefly look at the lives of Naomi's husband and her two sons, who we'll get to see just a brief glimpse of their life. We're going to look at some different obstacles that these two women faced and discuss those. And then we're going to talk about some takeaways from this chapter. So uh, if you're ready, and I am, let's... Let's buckle up and let's go. So first I'm going to read, I'm just going to take this section at a time, section by section and read, I'm not going to read the whole 22 verses at once, but by the end of the episode, like I said, we'll have read all the 22 verses. So let's start in Ruth chapter one, verse one, and um, I'll read through uh, verse five. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live there for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, 
both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Okay, so here in these first verses, we see that there is four obstacles that primarily Naomi, she has to face head on. The first one is that there is a famine. Now, what's interesting here is that this family was from the town of Bethlehem. And we know that Bethlehem, of course, is the place where Jesus was born. And we'll see that connection as we get towards the end of the book of of Ruth. Why Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Why did he have to go? Or why did his parents have to go to Bethlehem? But Bethlehem means house of bread. And what's interesting is that this, there is a famine, so there is no bread in the house of bread. Historically, this famine is connected to the account that we read in Judges chapter 6. So if you wanted some historical reference there, Judges chapter 6. So that was one obstacle was a famine. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, we see that famine happens often. It's sometimes a judgment on the nation of Israel because of their sin. And most often, we see that when there's a famine in Israel, the people escape. More often than not, they escape to another country, uh, primarily Egypt, especially through the book of Genesis. But they escape to another country to find provision. Now in Deuteronomy 32, it talks about a wasting famine, which is a direct result of Israel's sins. And so the question here, what is, was this famine that we see in the book of Ruth, was it a consequence of Israel's sins? Of those verses that we touched on last week in the book of Judges, where it tells us that There was no king in Israel, and everyone did as he saw fit. And as the very first words in the book of Ruth here in verse 1 is, in the days when the judges ruled. And so now we know that in the days when the judges ruled, there was no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. And we would have to assume that Elimelech did the same thing. That he was not an exception to the rule. He was part of it, where he was... A man who saw, did as he saw fit, because that's what the culture did around him. But what choice did him and Naomi have? They had two sons. Interestingly enough, their sons' names, Malon and Kilion, means sick and wasting, wasting away. So these were sickly boys. And so, I mean, as a parent, do I blame them for moving off and trying to find a place where they could find food for their children who were already in a compromised physical health? Probably not. But that's really not what we see going on here. Elimelech is not to blame for picking up and moving his family. But what he is to blame for is a lack of faith. A lack of faith in staying in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and relying on God to, at a point where he saw fit to provide food. But yet, he couldn't wait that long. Elimelech packed up his family, 
And in verse 1, it tells us that they went to Moab for a while. But then over in verse 4, we see that they lived there for about 10 years. So why did they stay that long? They found relief in a foreign place, but we can only assume that they got comfortable there in that foreign land. Let's move on to the second obstacle. The second obstacle, as I've already touched on just briefly, is about Moab, about relocating temporarily to Moab. They did have plans to return, it seems like, but they chose to journey across the Dead Sea to a hostile nation, but that for a little while turned into 10 years. And because they married Moabite women, we can only assume that they got comfortable with the culture and that they decided to stick it out. All right, the third obstacle that Naomi experienced is death. Naomi's husband dies, leaving her a widow, but thankfully she had two sons, but then her two sons died after they were married to the Moabite women, leaving Naomi with her two daughter-in-laws. She was grieved and she was poor, which leads to our fourth obstacle Naomi faced, and that's poverty. Without the men in her life, there was no income, there was no stability or sustainability for her and her daughter-in-laws. So she faced a famine, she faced relocating her family, she faced death, and she faced poverty. Let's look at verses 6 through 15. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone against me. At this they wept, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth Okay, in these verses, verses 6 through 14, we see that God remains faithful to Israel and to Naomi. We see this primarily um, at the start of verse 6, where the Lord is the one who comes to the aid of his people, Israel, by providing them food. And then Naomi is going to be a recipient of that. So they prepare to pack up and go back to Bethlehem to the house of bread where there is now bread available to them. And in throughout these verses, we see the word return, return, return home. 
And then we get a glimpse of where Naomi really is emotionally. And she says in verse 12, even if I thought there was still hope for me. So she's really feeling hopeless in the midst of all these different obstacles that she has just come through and addressed. And then we see her true feelings. She just comes right out and says it, that it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Why did she say this? Why did she feel like the spot where she was in now, a widow and poor, was God's judgment on her? I don't know the answer to that question, but for some reason, she that's how she's feeling. And if we're all honest with ourselves, sometimes that's the way we feel too. When circumstances just don't seem to go our way, we often ask ourselves or even say out loud that this is God's doing. He's punishing me for something. But as we go on, we see that Ruth, well, first of all, we see that Orpah, the first daughter-in-law, agrees with Naomi. She's probably says, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to find another husband. I don't really want to sacrifice and go into a country that I don't know anything about and leave my family. So I'll turn and go back. But Ruth clung to her, tells us in verse 14. And this word clung is also the word cleave that we see in Genesis 2 verse 24, which speaks to the loyalty and affection that is in between Adam and Eve, a husband and a wife, but also here the relationship that Ruth feels that she has towards her mother-in-law, Naomi. So she's clinging to her. Her loyalty and her affection to Naomi is there, and she wants to stay close physically, have close physical proximity to Naomi. So she's going to go with her. Naomi says again in verse 15, looks, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. And then I love what Ruth says here in verses 16 through 18. These are Ruth's first words. And we get really get an idea of Ruth's character here. So Ruth says, she replies to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So we see in this verse that Ruth demonstrates faith in the one true God. And she demonstrates faithfulness to this familial relationship she has with Naomi. Ruth's name, interestingly enough, means friend. And we can certainly see that that is her character here. That Naomi is so much more to her than a mother-in-law she is a friend, and she is willing to leave what she knows, what is familiar to her. She's willing to leave all that behind to not leave Naomi 
by herself with her future, with Naomi's future un in uncertain. Ruth is willing to leverage her security, her safety, even staying in Moab, finding another husband and being provided for. She's willing to sacrifice all of that out of a love and loyalty and affection to Naomi. What a beautiful picture there. All right, let's keep reading. In verse 19, it says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? We see here in verse 19 that Naomi's return shook the town. There was a lot of excitement and stirring that happened when they saw Naomi coming down the road. And no doubt they had comments to say about who was the young lady with her. Who was Ruth? Verse 20 says, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Again, we see that Naomi comes home empty. What's interesting is that she went away from Bethlehem with an empty stomach, looking for provision to fill her stomach. And here we see she comes back empty. Empty in emotion, empty in spirit, empty in joy. But what's waiting for her is a fulfillment that she can't even imagine. And we'll find that out in the next couple of chapters. Verse 22 so Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So here we see that the timing of their return was perfect for what needed to happen to continue to show God's faithfulness to them. Ruth is coming home to a place she has never been and has never known. And Naomi is coming back home empty. What are the takeaways here? Before we do that, I want to read out of Psalm. Psalm 85, 10 through 13. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from the heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. The takeaway here in Ruth 1 is number one, faith is needed to stay with God when physical provision is gone. When what we see is gone, we have to rely on what we cannot see, which reminds me of Hebrews 11, where we get the definition of faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The second takeaway is famine may occur, but a believer has the bread of life. Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life in John chapter 6 numerous times, but I'm going to read John 6:35. Then Jesus declared, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty." So when there is an absence of sustenance, when there is famine, we, as a believer, have the bread of life. And then the third takeaway is friendship is needed 
to live a victorious Christian life. One cannot do it alone. Naomi needed Ruth's friendship, and Ruth needed Naomi's friendship. Thinking about that reminds me of Proverbs seventeen seventeen, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And then Proverbs eighteen twenty four, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So, back to our original thought at the beginning of the episode, how can we have strength in the midst of a collapse? through faithfulness, and through loyalty. Even in the midst of a famine, faith is needed and friendship is needed to get through that. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this book of the Bible that is such an encouragement. I pray that our study of it, of this first chapter, has been an encouragement to those listening. Thank you that... You are the bread of life, that your Son fills us up any spiritual hunger that we may have. God, I thank you for faith. I thank you that you build that within us when we rely on you and help us to not focus on what we can see, but faith takes focusing on what we cannot see. And then I thank you that you give us Christian friends that can help us through this life, through the adversity, through the seeming collapse around us. God, that's where we find true strength in your faithfulness, in the building of our faith, and in fellow believers coming alongside us. So, God, give us what we do not have in this area and make us what we are not. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all join me next week as we jump into chapter two of the book of Ruth. And again, just about 23 verses that we'll look at. But go ahead and take some time this week and, and read through that and see what is happening next in the life of Naomi and Ruth and their journey together. Can't wait to discuss it more with you next week. I hope that you have a great week and that you will be blessed. Meet you right back here then. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. I hope that you have been encouraged by our time together. Friend, I want you to know that Jesus is so important to me. And I want to share with you that you can have a relationship with Jesus just like I have a relationship with Jesus. There are three easy steps to finding that relationship. Number one, admit that you are a sinner. Number two, believe on Jesus as the only one who can save you because he lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. And then three days later, he arose from the dead victorious over sin and death believe that he did that for you and then the third thing to do is to confess confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior it's as easy as that I want to encourage you if you have not made that decision to follow Christ and go into a relationship with him 
Will you do that today? Will you ask Jesus to come in and be a part of your life, to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to be in charge? If you have made that decision today, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at berealcarmen at gmail.com so that I can be encouraging you, praying for you, and sending you some resources to help in your new walk with Christ. Check out more Encouraging Gospel Center podcasts on the Kingdom Rock Podcast Network at kingdomrock.org. This is Carmen. Go be real. The world needs to see it.